Hi, this is Andrew Kreisberg, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Andrew Kreisberg talks crossovers. DC unveils collectibles at New York Toy Fair. And we discuss homecoming. This is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Carly Lane. And I'm Maureen Lennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the Season 2 episode of the show titled Homecoming. But first, let's get to... The News. If you weren't pleased with how the CW describes their four-show invasion crossover... Executive producer on all four shows, Andrew Kreisberg, addressed your criticism with Entertainment Weekly. He explains that, quote, one of the big things we learned from two years ago, which made the crossovers this year slightly easier, was building in shutdown days where shows just went dark. The single hardest factor in doing the crossovers is actors' availability because the shows keep going on. You're basically juggling four shows' worth of schedules, end quote. Due to the switch from CBS to the CW, Supergirl didn't have any built-in shutdown days. So, according to Kreisberg, Supergirl was the one they needed to shut down the most, and it was the one that didn't have any opportunity to. But now that Supergirl has gotten the early pickup, they are building in those dark days, and actually more dark days on Supergirl than the other shows to make it a little easier. Next year, they're hoping to do a true four-way crossover. Yes. <laughs> so that's good information to know. I think a lot of people had questions about that since the Supergirl part of the crossover was very limited and very small. So that makes sense. So now I think we all have a, at least I do, I have a better understanding of what it takes to do these crossovers and what they're having to do schedule wise. It they sounds basically... so ominous though. <laughs> the dark days, the dark, the dark days are coming, Supergirl. It's like if built in snow days, right? So right. Like, they didn't, they didn't. Have, it's like in school. It's like, oh, we didn't have any snow days left for Supergirl, so they couldn't take any time off to <laughs> let people shoot the crossover. If you're into action figures, Supergirl was well represented at the New York Toy Fair this year. Uh, there are several DC collectibles, Rebirth, and Bombshell action figures, as well as a Q fig from the QMX collection and a Melissa Benoist Supergirl statue. I really like the Rebirth figure a lot i think it looks really good uh even the supergirl statue is like that's some uncanny valley right there it looks a lot like melissa benoist i mean it is almost a dead ringer for her Um, so i think these are some great collectibles and if you want to pre-order any of these you can go to bigbadtoystore.com toywiz.com and shopdcentertainment.com so you can find all of those there. I really like the 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 Melissa Benoist one. It really does look like her. The bombshell one is a little crazy. Uh, <laughs> it, it was not my favorite. 
her chest area is a little insane. Uh, <laughs> and also, it looks like her, I don't know if that's her cape or her scarf, but it looks like it's like aggressively choking her. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's just the, the picture. Yeah, the, the cape does look like it is trying to it's kill turn- her. It's turning on her. Yeah. <laughs> the, the rebirth one is creeping me out. So is, there's a version of her head. Is that heat vision coming out? I think so. Oh, my God. <laughs> It's I like it's like that. red spikes coming out of her eyes, and I'm like, that's that's horrifying. <laughs> like, <laughs> you didn't have to make a head a, a heat vision variation, or you could have done it where just the eyes are like colored red. Yeah, it just looks it looks very disturbing. <laughs> you di- you didn't have to is is where you could have ended that. <laughs> it, looks, it looks like Sid from Toy Story just decided to like torture her. <laughs> So that's so accurate. The the actual figure itself looks great, but I agree. The heat vision thing is very bizarre. Yeah, yeah. Everything else I like. It's just the weird version of the head that has like (laughs) red streams coming out. (laughs) It is very strange. Um, and before we wrap up the news section, uh, I think I'm going to throw it to myself from the past, Rebecca from the past, who picked a winner for our Super Fan Con Red Pass giveaway. It's Rebecca Johnson from Supergirl Radio, and I am going to pick the winner for our Super Fan Con Red Pass giveaway. So I, what I have done right now with my uh, fancy tool, online tool that I... <laughs> got from a google search uh i have a a random name picker so i have everyone's names in the list who uh entered via facebook and twitter and i've compiled those and if you did both i only put one uh entry per name in there just to keep it fair so i have everybody who entered into the giveaway in the list and i think i might pick a winner All right, we have our winner for the Super Fan Con uh, Red Pass giveaway. You'll be receiving two Red Passes. So uh, our winner is Patricia Lowe Galatro. And don't forget that you can save 10% off pass purchases that are $100 or higher by using our promo code SGRADIO10. Just enter it in the coupon code field at checkout on their website, superfanconventions.com. You can use it now until August 31st, 2017 for online sales only. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap up our news section for this episode. So let's get into our discussion of this season two episode of the show titled Homecoming. Here's the official description. Quote, when Jeremiah Danvers is rescued from Cadmus, Alex and Kara are thrilled to have their father back. The Danvers arrange a family dinner to celebrate, but things go awry when a suspicious Monel starts to question Jeremiah about his sudden return, unquote. So, uh, what did everybody think about the Jeremiah reunion with his family? Carly, what did you think about the Danvers family getting back together? Uh, I love Danvers family time. I really did like the family dinner scene at the beginning. (laughs) The the beginning of it was really nice. Like we finally get um, 
Alex introducing Maggie to Jeremiah, and then Jeremiah has that great dad joke of like, no man would ever be good enough for Alex. So <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense that you, you know, she would, you would, you would be the one to like be with her. Um, which I was like, props to Maggie because she kind of just went, okay, sir. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I felt like she, she like looked at him like for a second, like he, she was trying to put that together, and we just like, you know what, leave it. also the fact that they were all drinking margaritas that kind of made me happy i was like because at first i think we were talking a little bit we're like there were promo pictures of maggie holding the the paper bag and we're like oh it's probably like a bottle of wine nope she brings tequila (laughs) (laughs) maggie doesn't play (laughs) maggie doesn't play um i mean i had other issues with the jeremiah storyline but they mostly involve other characters. Like personally, I love Dean Kane on the show. I think he is, he brings a warmth and I, I don't know, like he just, he's got that nice kind of like quiet energy. And I really liked the scene with him and Helen Slater talking and like what, and him watching his girls from a distance and like, in the moment of happiness. And I kept thinking, well, this is all going to get, <laughs> this is all going to get ruined, smashed to pieces. And then, and then there was a really nice moment where he hugged John Jones and he was like, thank you for looking after my girls. And I cried. Um, <laughs> I was like real dad and space dad. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I did, I had issues with the Jeremiah plot line, but Jeremiah coming back, I'm, I was very excited about, um, even though, you know, we pretty much saw the twist coming from a mile away and I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how his role factors in over the course of the rest of the season. I don't know, uh, if we're going to get more of him beyond, like, it looks like he's going to be in the next episode, but I'm curious to see if he's going to be kind of more of a recurring character for the latter half, like the eight episodes that we have left. But I really like him, and even though I saw the twist coming, like, it didn't hurt any less. <laughs> yeah. Especially because, you know, we got that great scene at the end where with him and Alex in the woods, and there was that moment of Alex being like, you know, she's not going to shoot her dad, and then it's, it's just heartbreaking because she basically has to let him go, and they both know it. And Kyler Lee just acting the heck out of that scene, as she does every other scene. And it's interesting because we see, like, the divide, the rift between Kara and Alex because Kara kind of starts to get suspicious of Jeremiah and Alex is just kind of willing to believe that he's fine. And I don't, it's interesting too. Like, I'm like, I wonder how much of that is part of, you know, she's, she's kind of just like, I don't know, you know, Alex, Alex has her doubts, but then she's just so glad to have him back that she, doesn't want to even consider the possibility that he would betray them. Yeah, I don't know about you all, but I found myself trying to figure out who I, which side I was on uh, yeah. between Cara and Alex in that scene because it was such a good scene and they both made valid points that I was like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. I feel like yeah. I'm on more of Cara's side because I want to be logical and you know level-headed about this, but I also understand where Alex is coming from. So I don't know, Carly, did you have someone you were siding with? I don't know if I had anybody that I was necessarily siding with. I really did like, I think because we're so accustomed to seeing Kara and Alex on the same side a lot of the time. Like for me, it's actually kind of nice to see them butt heads on stuff more than just a, 
like on a more serious issue more than something that might just be like a sisterly bickering. And even though I, you know, I, I don't like to see them fighting. I just, I just liked the scene and what it gave us. And the fact that at the end of the episode, they're still kind of not like they're not reconciled together. Like they both end up getting comforted by their respective, you know, partners, significant others, what have you. So I don't know if the show is going to kind of can keep that going or if they're going to realize like, oh, well, we need to kind of be on the same side now because of what Jeremiah is doing with Cadmus. And like we have to, you know, join forces to stop him. Yeah, it definitely did split them up a little bit. But I, I know you love your angst. So I know you, I do. Were, you were eating that up. I do. Morgan, what did you think about uh, Jeremiah's return to the family and the DEO? What, what did you think about all that? Yeah, the angst made me so sad in that scene, but it was probably one of my favorite scenes of the episode when they, like, really start start really arguing with each other. Like, you can kind of see the buildup start happening over, like, the course of that scene, and, and, and like, every time Kara says anything, even, like, slightly suspicious, you can see Alex, like, just kind of go into, like, honey badger mode. Like, <laughs> she is having none of it. Um, and I, I just, yeah, like Carly said, I, I don't like to watch them fight because it like breaks my heart but because we do see them on the same side so often it's it's kind of refreshing uh to see them sort of really argue and and you see how good the actresses are in those scenes too like my heart was so broken like I never want to see the sisters fight uh, and they did such a good job and I really liked having Jeremiah back especially in the beginning of the episode like that scene, the Danvers family, like, dinner party scene was so great. And I love that moment where I I think it's Car is, like, going to get the door and Alex, like, stops her and was like, can you even? And she's like, I can't even. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's like you just know that, like, they're in for some heartbreak and disappointment at that moment, you're like, oh, no, this is all going wrong. <laughs> but it was, like, my my favorite, like, small moment of the episode. It was just so adorable. It just felt like something that they would, like, really say to each other. It felt – it didn't, like, feel, like, manufactured or anything. They were just so happy that their dad was home. And, and I, I really liked, like you were mentioning, like, all those small moments where – you know, he's like watching, he's watching the girls or t- thanking John for taking care of them. And I was like, I just really don't want you to be bad. But also I kind of do because I, I sorted you into Slytherin and I'm like really invested in this now. <laughs> I was like, Carly always calls everything. I have to have this one thing. <laughs> let, let Morgan have this. <laughs> let me have this. Well, And now I'm wondering, because like now that he's bad, I don't know how much... Well, you know, we don't know his full backstory, but he's not great right now. But I I wonder how much of the season he'll be in because isn't Terry Hatcher supposed to be coming in as a villain? Mm-hmm. Like, is there a possibility of seeing them do like like in a villain team up? Because that would be amazing. That'd I mean, be so cool. there's always a possibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> anything is possible. Keep uh, hope alive. <laughs> well, Morgan, I don't want to say anything to take you off. You're high about maybe your 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 speculation, but I don't know that I believe that he's fully bad because there were some things that got dropped in the episode that made me question his motives. 
Like, yes. I definitely think there's like a, I definitely think there's a reason why he, he's doing what he's yes. doing. Yes. But I still, I still stand by my Slytherin regardless. Because <laughs> clearly, clearly he's willing to break a few eggs to make an omelet. This is true. I, I would <laughs> grant you the Slytherin status. <laughs> <laughs> but don't but, take that from me Rebecca <laughs> I, won't, I won't take it from you but uh but you don't have to be all bad to be in Slytherin I mean Merlin Merlin was in Slytherin so uh I I'll, I'll give you the Slytherin status but I I question whether Jeremiah is all bad because when uh when he's with Lily and Luther he talks about a deal with her we don't know what that deal is uh, Jeremiah insists that he is doing what he's doing for Alex or for their family. And even when uh, Cyborg Superman sort of knocks that tree over and it looks like it's going to hit Alex, he like screams for her. So I don't think he's a necessarily a bad guy. I think he's just being put, he even tells uh, Jean at one point that he doesn't know the full story. So I think that there's something, I think he's doing something because he has to, not necessarily mm-hmm. because he wants to, um, yeah. which sucks because he's been put in this position where he's having to lie to his family, where he's having to betray his friends, and he's having to do all these terrible things. But I think and I hope, because my whole tension throughout the whole episode was just like, I don't want him to be bad. So maybe I am just believing that he won't be bad because I don't want him to be bad because I did really love the family dinner. Even when I was tweeting, I was like, I want the whole show to be this. <laughs> like, I just, I would be okay if Supergirl just turned into the Dan Danvers Family Hour. I would be all about that because I really enjoyed, because I think this was the first time on the show that they were all together, like, as adults. We've seen Jeremiah and Eliza with little Kara and little Alex and we've seen like Eliza with grown Alex and grown Kara. But I think this is the first time we've seen all of them together in their current state. So I really liked seeing all of them together. And I thought it was really heartbreaking that like Eliza was having problems with it. And, you know, it was just very tough on all of them, even though they wanted to celebrate it. So I, I hope they get another shot, I guess is what I'm saying. I hope it's... It's not something that will never be. I hope that they can can get back to that. And as far as Kara and Alex, I, I really did enjoy uh, their scene, even though they were fighting. I thought I, I'm with Morgan. I thought the acting was really great, um, even though I thought it was really harsh of of Alex because she says, you know, either you're in, you're either you're part of the family or you're not. And I was like, dang, Alex, you don't need to kick her out of the family over this. So some of <laughs> some of that was really harsh. Uh, yeah, I, I felt because Kara, Kara was legitimately trying to look out for them. She was being the person who was kind of trying to actually step back from everything, you know, all of the emotions and see it for what it was. So uh, it was t- that was tough to watch. And since some of this episode revolved around the fact that Jeremiah had some questionable things, some shady things that he was doing that some of the things that he was saying didn't seem to add up. And Monel seemed to be the only one who 
was looking at things that nobody else was looking at, and he started to have some suspicions about Jeremiah and what he was doing and how convenient it was that he showed up when he did. So, uh, Carly, what did you think about Monel being the person to kind of kickstart the questioning of Jeremiah? Um, I guess my biggest problem with making Monel the like smartest guy in the room on the Jeremiah thing was it it seemed like it came at the cost of like everybody else's intelligence on the like like Monel's like, oh, maybe we should, you know, vet him more thoroughly. And I just noticed like there were a lot of places where it seems like they could have figured out. I know that, like, as superhero fans, sometimes we have to suspend our disbelief, but it seemed plot-wise, like, there were several occasions where they could have found him out much earlier, and that just, like, to make Monel the guy that was, you know, like, sussed it out first, but it was like, John Jones didn't read his mind until later, and then realized he couldn't, uh, somehow the DEO scan didn't pick up the fact that he had a cyborg arm. I could buy Monel being the one person who doesn't have like an emotional attachment, so mm-hmm. he would be suspicious. But then you have to buy that everything else like just collapsed upon itself for this plot line to make any sense. Right, or the fact that like Jeremiah asked to come back to the DEO. And John Jones, without hesitation, is like, oh, yeah, all you have to do is submit to a psyche valve in a, phys- in a physical. And I'm like, uh, we're not going to have a serious vetting process. Like, we're not going to debrief him on his experience and, like, figure out if he still has ties. To- like, he's been with Cadmus. That alone should raise the alarm. And it didn't seem like, you know, even from, like, John Jones, who, like, told... Kara and Monel to go to HR when they showed up and fill everything out in triplicate. <laughs> Jeremiah walks back in and it's like, yeah, protocol, schmodocol. It's fine. Yeah, sure, you can come back to work at the DEO. So it just like the consistency aspect of that didn't make any sense. Like the fact that all of a sudden to make Monel the guy that's like was figured out the truth, you know, it came at the cost of like none of the other characters seeming to have any like any kind of remote suspicion and Kara starts to have it a little bit like when Win and um when Win and and Monel come to her and tell her that they saw Jeremiah breaking in and then even Jeremiah's excuse is like so it, it's so it's such a lie like it's such an obvious <laughs> lie but he's playing I think part of it is he's playing on the emotional you know he's counting on like the fact that Alex is a person who's very much in her feelings and I think we see a lot, like, to me, it almost felt like Kyler Lee was playing it like Alex was very much like a daddy's girl. Like, she felt very close to Jeremiah and very defensive of, and protective of him. So, you know, he he gives the line about, like, oh, I just wanted to see what my girls were up to all these years. And, of course, you know, that's going <laughs> to, that's going to, like, be a good enough reason. But it was frustrating because you could you could make the argument that, like, Alex and Carl were kind of blinded by like family loyalty, but it just, I don't know. I, there were a lot of things where I felt like the, he could have been found out much earlier on and the show was just kind of like the writers were just kind of hoping that we wouldn't pick, like we would just be willing to kind of, I guess, suspend our disbelief. I don't know. No, I I think that is a fair judgment because it it was tough to watch all the characters be so emotionally invested in 
in his ret- in Jeremiah's return, which I, I can kind of buy to an extent because they hadn't seen him for such a long time that especially for Alex, you know, to actually see her her father and to be with him again. And even for Jean, you know, he, he explains that, you know, you were the first human who actually really accepted me. So I I can I can buy it to an ex- an extent. And I think you're right that sometimes it is hard to. Uh, suspend some of that to to kind of throw it away and be like, I can maybe look over some of this, but right. some of this over here maybe I can't overlook. So I, I I I can I can buy that to an extent. Yeah, I mean I did like I think if 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 I did like anything from the Monel Jeremiah stuff, it was when Jeremiah walked Monel out of the apartment and was like. <laughs> you know, Kara might, might not like to know the truth about who you are. And I was like, <laughs> like <laughs> part of it, part of it actually felt in that moment, like it felt very much like the dad to the boyfriend being like, I'm on to you punk, you know, like this. <laughs> so, then I, so then it's interesting because it kind of made me question like, so I wonder now if Monel doesn't, he's not, <laughs> Part of his motivation in getting rid of Jeremiah is he's trying to keep Kara from finding out the truth about who he really is. I was like, uh. <laughs> but maybe I'm reading too much into it. I just, I did like that scene because it, it kind of felt like the metaphor of, you know, the, the dad interrogating the boyfriend and being like, I'm watching you. Yeah. You know? He, the, the only thing they needed in that scene was like him, like, pretending to clean a shotgun or something. <laughs> I, I, I think I think that's the only thing that was missing. Um, I got Maker Woods in the backyard. I doubt anyone would miss you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Morgan, what did you think about the fact that Monel was the only one who was really kind of side-eyeing Jeremiah? Yeah, I really agree with Carly. I, that aspect of the episode bothered me a lot. Um, I buy that like Monel because he doesn't have any kind of like emotional attachment to Jeremiah would be the one that's kind of like, this guy seems a little shady. It's no one asking any questions. My bigger problem was that like they set up some stuff in, in the episode, like Jeremiah having uh, like a bionic arm or something that why in the world wouldn't like a medical scan pick that up? Like, it it wasn't so much that like the Monel was the smartest guy in the room as like everything else uh conveniently plot failed around him to make him the smartest guy in the room. Like why did why did John never like pop into his mind and like, you know, if he can read minds at the end, he's like, Why can't I read your mind? Why did it only occur to him at that moment to do that? Like right. these uh, these aren't dumb characters. And I, I 100% bought Alex. Like, I, I had no problem buying Alex just being like, I'm all in. This is my family. Like, this is all I've ever wanted is for my family to be back together. And and sort of putting all any, like, suspicions that she might have aside. And I know that, like, John has some, like, emotional attachment to Jeremiah. So I buy that. But I don't buy that, like, everything else. Like, the bionic arm thing is, like, really, like... They had him like medically checked out. They how did they miss that? They're like, oh well, this just looks like metal. That's normal. <laughs> like, <laughs> like well, it, it, they're right. just like plot holes. I think that's what bothered me more than the more than the Monel aspect of it was just that they they needed to make so many plot holes in order to get there. 
that I didn't think it was really worth the journey. I mean, although it was fun watching Kara throw Monel out of her house, <laughs> uh, I don't know that it was worth all that. <laughs> all that. Well, with Jean, I sort of think that, you know, he has that issue where he doesn't want to intrude on people's minds if he doesn't have to. That was a, that was an issue back during the Bizarro days that he he doesn't want to have to do that if he can prevent it. Uh, so I, I, I would like to think that's how I'm justifying it in my brain <laughs> is that he just didn't want to intrude on Jeremiah's you know, mind and, and intruding on his, uh, what am I trying to think of saying? Um, yeah, like his privacy. His privacy, I, I yes. Totally, like, I totally get that. I think that's a good, like, explanation. But it bothers me if I have to, like, personally hand wave so much of an episode. Like, I have to come up with, like, a, a plausible theory because the episode itself was, like, not interested in, in getting me there. I agree. I I think they, if that was the case, they should have maybe put that in there. And I, I do think even though a lot of the characters had problems kind of realizing what was happening, I do think it's interesting that Eliza had some skeptical uh, feelings about his return. She, I think was really excited to see him at first, but when they were at dinner, she was like, well, we can't just, you know, get back into the swing of things we're gonna have to start all over so i think there was something with her that sensed that he was different and maybe it's just one of those things that happens when you reunite with somebody sometimes you can't just pick up where you left off and you you kind of have to relearn who that person is so uh i did think it was interesting that the that everyone else just wanted to jump back into it but eliza had some problems and i I thought that was an, an interesting way to handle it from her perspective. I guess the only, the only part about the Martian Manhunter mind reading thing that doesn't add up to me is it feels like sometimes the writers give him an excuse not to read someone's mind or they hand wave the fact that like we, you know, he read someone's mind and found something out already. Like the episode where Alex introduces Maggie to everybody at the bar and he's like, Oh yeah, I already knew you guys were together, but I didn't say anything because it's not my secret to tell. So like he did read her mind in that instance and he probably didn't have to, but he somehow did. So like it's, it's, it's one of those things where I'm like, it's a, I feel like sometimes it's a convenient way for the writers to, I don't know, like have him know things already that they don't have to spend time establishing, but then it doesn't make sense later when he chooses not to read minds or it's says, like, Oh, I'm not was... going to pry into somebody's private life. But I'm like, well, you did a little bit. Cause you found out about Alex. <laughs> That's and a good point. So... Yeah, and if there's like ever a time to just do a quick scan of somebody's right, mind. Right. It's when they show up like 15 <laughs> years later after being held by an evil organization, mysteriously <laughs> and conveniently. <laughs> right. Like and that's think- when you're just like, you know what, brah, I'm just going to take like a quick scan through your mind. <laughs> <laughs> just a quick little detour. Right. And then I'm, I'm in and out. <laughs> and I think like Eliza's misgivings to me felt real because hers are based in, being separated from her husband for so many years, but nobody else had any misgivings about the fact that he'd been with Cadmus for that length of time. Like, 
I don't know. It's one thing to be, I think, to be a spouse who isn't sure you, like, you're not sure you can reconnect with your husband after, you know, however long they were separated versus a team that knows Cadmus has been up to no good and has had him and is capable of brainwashing and or whatever, or potentially turning him into a spy or a double agent or a sleeper agent where he doesn't even know he's working for them. And like, and just, it just, yeah. I mean, I think we kind of covered it already, but it just, it, it frustrated me that nobody really seems to be worried at all. And, And not even, not even suspicious of Jeremiah, but I would have been concerned about him. Like, well, you know, what happened to you over there? <laughs> so I don't know. I think there was a way they could have had, they could have had the characters acting from a place of concern. But at the same time, I think part of it was they were trying to stretch out a twist for dramatic effect, but it didn't really work because in the process it made everybody look like they were just willing to ignore obvious red flags. Yeah, I think that's a good point that they didn't seem to go at it from the angle of being concerned about him. Because when I was watching the episode, I was like, what happened to his eye? Like his eye was really like beat up and bloodied. And I was very concerned about his face. I was like, I, I know you have problems with your hand, uh, but what has happened to your, what did they do to your face? So um, even I was a little concerned about his physical well-being, um, but they didn't seem to, uh, really talk about that with him. And although, to be fair, the writing did address the fact that he was wanting to open up about what happened to him in Cadmus. He he talks about how they made him do things he didn't want to do and made him into something he didn't want to be. And so some of that, I wondered if he was telling the truth in, in some ways. I Part of me wondered if you know, he was telling them about this nuclear fusion bomb because he was trying to warn them, even though he has this other plan that he's doing with Lily and Luther, and I think we should talk about the Cadmus stuff. But part of me just was really questioning, like, I know he's doing this because he has to do this for Cadmus, but I also wonder if he's giving them information to help them at the DEO. So I'm I'm really... Um, I don't want to say confused, but I, I really questioned a lot of that to, to figure out where his loyalties lie. Uh, so so what what did everybody think about his interaction with one of our favorite villains of the season? He, he got to hang out with Lily and Luther, and, and there was also Cyborg Superman. But Lily and Luther was there. <laughs> um, so, Carly, what and did most you— Most importantly. And most importantly, Lily and Luther was there. Uh, so, Carly, what did you think about— him actually being part of the Cadmus situation. What do you think is going on there? What, what what do you think they're going to be doing with this National Registry of Aliens? I don't know, but nothing good. <laughs> <laughs> I and that I was just like, oh no, Brian. I know. Brian, no. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Brian and Joe. Poor Brian and Joe. Somebody Aren't needs they? to warn them. Although- Although I don't think Joe's on the, he, I don't think he's on the alien registry, right? Because he's from a different dimension. That's true. Maybe Joe will be safe. Thank God. <laughs> maybe, he had, maybe, maybe he had to register. Um, I, I think it's, it's interesting because I hadn't necessarily considered the fact that he might be um, a double agent, Rebecca, until you brought it up. But now I think I would kind of like that. Like I would, I would like. 
I think I would rest easier in the knowledge that he's not completely gone to the dark side. Like maybe he's doing something because um, Lillian's blackmailing him into helping, but he's really going to turn on her at the end and help Supergirl and friends. Um, So I'm kind of keeping my fingers crossed for that. Uh, I am curious as to how he became a cyborg though. Like, did they just, did they just replace parts of him with mechanical parts? I mean, it's, it, it seems to imply that Cadmus maybe tortured him to the point where they had to like take body parts off and put, new ones on i don't know it seems like the implications are very disturbing to me um either that or it sounds like um the story i mean i I, it seemed to me like the story he was telling about his time at cadmus was true um in building the cyborg superman and all the stuff that he helped with so i'm curious to know maybe they maybe they learned from his technology and used it on him or something. I don't know. Well, they have been experimenting a lot with the cybernetics. They have Cyborg Superman. They have, they had Metallo, RIP Metallo. Uh, So I, I think it's, it, it it kind of falls in line with Cadmus that they would make another cybernetic human being. But I think that's, that's a good point, Carly, that we don't know why he became cybernetic. Why, what happened to him that made them, use that uh, for his body like why is his arm like that what happened to him uh morgan what do you think might be going on with jeremiah danvers and cadmus and lily and luther what, what do you think's going on there i don't know i really don't have any speculate i mean i i definitely feel like he's not like all the way evil he's not like mustache twirling <laughs> like he's not Lillian Luther evil like (laughs) most people aren't like that's a level you aspire to but you never really get to (laughs) unless you're Lillian Luther but I don't think that he's evil like I think that there's a reason why he's doing what he's doing and I don't know if that's like something that he's justified to himself or if he's like double agenting um or if there is something else going on. But I definitely feel like there's more to the story with him and Cadmus. But he has been at Cadmus like a long time. Like 15 years is definitely like long enough to like mess with your head. So it's possible that like they've convinced him that whatever plan that they are like evil diabolical plan that they're like pulling off is going to like somehow be to the benefit of Alex and Kara or like to his family. So I don't know. I really don't know. I I want to know more about his like cybernetic arm too. Like that popped up out of nowhere at the end of the episode. I was concerned about him at the beginning because after reading Supergirl Rebirth with Eliza and her randomly missing hand, <laughs> I, I was like, is Jeremiah Danvers going to just not have a hand now? Um, but then it was revealed that he had some sort of robot hand. So I, I, I guess that's the opposite of Eliza Danvers, who, uh, you know, just did not hand, have a hand for some reason. So I, I I would be very curious to find out what happened to him in those years. And I don't know if we'll ever get that story, but it is it is something to uh, wonder about because who knows what Cadmus is doing with those people and, and how they've been treating them. So I, 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 but I do like that Lillian seems to think 
at least at this point, it seems like Lillian thinks that Jeremiah is on their side. So if he is playing them, I think he's doing a pretty good job. So uh, I, I think that would be actually pretty awesome because I, for him to be a, an agent, a DEO agent, it would be really cool to see him actually play the, the spy game that, you know, and be an agent infiltrating Cadmus. I, I think that would be real. That would be a cool reveal to me. But I think, again, that's just because I don't want him to be all the way evil. I'm OK with him doing some bad things to help his family if that's what he needs to do. But I just want the Danvers family to be happy and together. Um, but there was one thing that I thought was really uh, eye-opening for me. It was a really small thing, and I just kind of caught it on rewatch because sometimes I like to go in there when there's something on the screen and there's text. I like to look and see what's happening in the text. And um, so there's a scene at the beginning of the episode where Kara uh, and Wen are looking at the DEO monitors and they're they're looking at the the trucks and things that are happening that Cadmus is involved in. And on the screen, there is a mention of New Genesis. And I had recognized that from DC Comics. And I, I thought it was a dark side thing, and it sort of is kind of a dark side thing. It's related to Apocalypse. Um, so I had to go and look it up. Um, according to the DC Wiki, New Genesis, which was on the screen, is the home planet of the new gods ruled by the wise High Father, and is covered in lush forests and grasslands filled with abundant flora and wildlife. It sounds like a, a lovely place. Um, New Genesis and Apocalypse came into existence after the war that destroyed the old gods, leaving both planets separated from the rest of the the universe in a location known as the Fourth World. So this is um, very interesting to me because I know we talked when we when we spe- uh, talked about Madtown Davidson's anti life equation. Uh, we joked that I would become uh, a beautiful mind and have a big chalkboard <laughs> of connections. So we have the possible anti-life equation. We, ju- we don't know it's in that little box. But the speculation that you know, Madtown Davidson threw out there uh, was related to a dark side. And then we have this new Genesis thing that's connected to Apocalypse, which is connected to dark side. And when I was looking up <laughs> Mixius Pedelic, I found that he had a connection to dark side in the anti- anti-life equation. So I, I'm drawing all sorts of connections. I don't know if anybody else is, but I'm like, this is all, I don't know if it's going to lead to dark side. It probably won't. But my brain is like, this is all pointing towards dark side. What is happening? <laughs> so uh, I thought that was a neat thing that got thrown up on the monitor. And it could be nothing. It could just be a little fun Easter egg. Um, but I thought it was it was fascinating that New Genesis got a mention. All right. Well, uh, does anyone have anything else that we did not bring up that you wanted to talk about? And what did you think overall about this episode? Um, Carly, what about you? Once again, Manel doesn't really like to listen to Kara. That's that's not great. <laughs> I guess the only part the only part that really bugged me, and I know we've kind of talked about it in the past, is I think the problem I, that I have with Monel at this point is I think the show is trying to write him as like this endearing goofball, you know? Oh, he doesn't listen to Kara and blabs that they're dating to the DEO. Oh, it's that's so cute. I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> Like she told him to keep it quiet. 
because the last time she was had a thing for somebody, everybody knew about it and would talk about it. Was she and talking about James, do you think? I think so. Okay. Yeah, I, I think, think so. Because so. everybody knew she had a crush on him, and it was this whole this whole long thing. Um, but, yeah, she, they didn't mention him by name, which I, I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but... Um, you know, 10 seconds after they walk in, he's like, Cara and I are dating. You're all very jealous. I know. And, I'm like, <laughs> uh, I, and honestly, I think I would have had less of a problem with that scene if Kara had been the one to, to, mm. uh, to blab. Because then it would have signaled to me like, oh, she's so giddy and excited about this new relationship. She, you know, oh, I know what I said, but I can't keep it in. But having Juanel blab it it just keeps it keeps that cycling that whole thing of like he doesn't listen to her and it kind of bugs me um he expresses his suspicions about jeremiah to do and Carl's like just come to dinner like let's not do this right now you know whatever and then at the dinner he's like gets really hostile and she has to pull him aside again and she's like what did i just say (laughs) i will say i like the fact that uh, when he when he blabs their relationship status, he was like, "I'm gonna get my ass kicked in a sparring ring, right?" And she was like, <laughs> "Yeah." So like, I like that the show acknowledges that she's literally gonna kick his ass for like, <laughs> for, for not being able to keep his mouth shut. Um, but I don't know. I I mean, I have my theory that I've that I've posited on Twitter that the reason that we're getting a lot of Monel is because he's not gonna be around next season and we're probably gearing up to some big storyline and I wonder if it will conclude with him either joining the Legion of Superheroes because we've seen uh, Kevin Smith tweeted a picture of the Legion ring in the Fortress of Solitude which we had seen in season one but it seems like based on that it's going to come back into play so that's my theory I feel like he will not be her forever love her destiny love as Kat likes to say I don't think he's her. I don't think he's her one true love, but for now, you know the the show is gonna gonna pair them off. And and I just I guess the reason I get a little bit like I'm have I'm a little fatigued by the whole thing is it just feels like the show continues to jump back and forth between having Kara really contented and happy and you know, and, and enjoying herself with Monel and then just being so over it <laughs> with him and just so fed up with him. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if they're trying, like, if they're trying to portray it as, you know, oh, it's a relationship. It's just passionate. They go back and forth between being really, really happy and just, you know, really fed up with each other. But it just, it, it comes off as more like she tells him that she can handle it he doesn't listen to her and then to, to, to have him end up going to win and win telling him the exact same thing and cut to, cut to Monel's face going, huh, maybe Cara doesn't need saving after all. <laughs> like she's been telling me for the past three episodes. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the only thing I kind of, I kind of wish that they had maybe condensed not necessarily the relationship arc, but the arc of Monel just when Kara tells him that she can that she can do something or to just kind of like that he would just listen already. 
Yeah, well, I think one of the problems is that, like, he seems to learn the same lesson over and over and over again. Like, I feel like every episode, it's like, Monel learns an obvious lesson about how to be a human. And, <laughs> and he's like, I've got it now, you guys. And, like, the end credits roll. And then the next episode begins, and he was like, what are feelings? <laughs> what is respecting you? <laughs> and it's like, Monel, you just learned that very special lesson last episode. <laughs> I, I feel like we're going to find out that he's got like a finding Dory situation. Yeah, maybe he's where... got short term memory. First dates with Monel. <laughs> it's like memento. He's got like be polite <laughs> written on him. <laughs> like very polite. He resets at the beginning of every episode and you have to explain to him all over again. But uh, that's honestly what it feels like. It yeah. feels like every episode he resets back to factory default and then they have to like they have to install humanity back into him. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like, I feel like this is the episode where I sort of turned the corner on Monel. Like, I've been, like, fairly positive to, like, Monel neutral. And I feel like this was the episode where I went Monel negative. Like, I was like, no, I'm sick of it. And, like, I'm just sick of seeing the same storyline over and over again. Like, if he's he's supposed to be growing as a character, and I know that that sometimes involves fits and starts, but this is literally every episode he has to learn like another another thing that he learned last week or two weeks ago. Well, in Monel's defense, I will come to his defense <laughs> in this one. He does say he does say in the episode, "I'd like to not be terrible." <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he's trying. So even even I think he realizes that he he has been terrible, and he would like to not be. So uh, I, I think he is coming to some self-realizations about himself. But uh, I, I do also, in talking about him learning lessons, it is a little frustrating. Even for somebody like me who does like Monel and likes the Monel Cara stuff, it is a little frustrating, I will admit, that he doesn't just pay attention to her and 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 i think that's a that's a lesson he had to learn <laughs> this week and i i do think that he he did by the end of the episode and hopefully it won't get reset next next week but i think he did realize yeah i'll just listen to her that seems easy enough because he 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 didn't really process that and and i don't know why it was that he needed when to tell him that but he did make an effort there at the end where he you know, he says to her, you know, why don't you just tell me what you need? I'll listen. So I think there was a, a nice moment where he he did kind of just think about somebody else and what they needed, and he was going to do whatever he needed to do to help her. And I will say that even as as much as, you know, part of the problem for me was with Monel, I had an issue with Kara in one of those scenes. In the family dinner sequence... Um, when Monel just sort of whispers to her about some of his suspicions, she's like, "You be nice. You say something nice right now." And I was like, "Oh my gosh, you are like, I I even feel like you're nagging me with that. Like I just that that I didn't I didn't care for that from Kara. I thought that was a little much. I thought maybe she could have been a little, you know, more understanding or less demanding. I I thought that that was a really strange choice for her." Um, to to be like that, I, I was like, I don't know who this is, but she's she's coming across really like harpy. I I, I didn't 
And I hope that doesn't sound terrible, but I, 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 I didn't care for the way she handled that. Although I do think she was very adult at the end of that sequence when she told Monel, like, if you're not going to, um, you know, care about the things that I care about and pay attention to the things I pay attention to, this isn't going to work. So I, I think she was being pretty level-headed about what she wanted and, and, and would not accept in the relationship. So I was proud of her there, but I, that just that one moment in that sequence, I did not care for, but yeah. So the, some of the Monel stuff was uh, even for me, a little frustrating in this episode. So I can understand Morgan where, where you went from Monel neutral to, to negative. <laughs> I can see how you made that leap. The one thing I did like that you, you pointed out was like, I do like that Carter always stands up for herself. Like she's not, she's not sort of taking his nonsense sitting down. Like when she throws him out, she's like, you know what? This is ridiculous. I've told you like so many times you're not listening. You can go. And I was like, that's right, girl. That's right. Yeah. And I, I, I think that it was also nice for me to see that Kara, when she needed someone, she was able to let him know even just with a look like she wasn't going to put up with it because he came in there at the end and that end scene and was like trying to talk about himself and she just gave him a look like nope not right now (laughs) and so I think at least at least she does know that about herself that she can stand up for for what she's gonna put up with or what she's not going to tolerate um so Morgan what what are your thoughts you know overall about this or Carly did 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 you kind of talk about whether or not you um, like this episode? Sorry. No, I I would say overall it was not my favorite. Um, there were parts I liked. I did like the Lyra Wynn scene. I I like I like Lyra even though I think she looks like a Buffy vampire. Still, <laughs> um, I like that she's kind of got a little bit of swagger. Like she's confident. And, uh, and I think, I think the two of them are cute together. It's nice to see Wynn happy. Like that's <laughs> like, he deserves it. He deserves so much happiness. Um, it's, I, well, I'll, I'll save other thoughts for the spoiler section, but, um, I do hope they're not going to basically just make her like the girl that just paws at Win all the time, <laughs> like smacks him on the butt, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. Like, I'm like, I get that. Sh- I get that they're kind of trying to establish that, you know, the two of them get a little frisky. Um, but I hope that they don't reduce her to that. Like, I want I want to see more of her just beating people up and being awesome that way. So but I liked I liked their little scene together. I thought it was pretty sweet. Yeah, it was good to see that they carried over from that previous episode. So maybe we'll get to see more of them in the future. Um, Morgan, what were your overall thoughts about this episode? Um, So this one was probably not my favorite episode of the season so far. I just thought that to get where the episode needed to go, there had to be so many plot holes, kind of. Like, they had to ignore some characters, like, felt like they were acting... Like, out of character, like, I, I don't think that John would have just been like, nah, I, I you know, sometimes I, sometimes I read Alex's mind for the LOLs, but I'm just going to respect Jeremiah's privacy after 15 years with, a, with Cadmus. I feel like that's the right choice. It just felt like a little strange. Uh, I think the Monel stuff I was mentioning before I went from mon, mon neutral to mon negative uh, in this episode. Um, 
because I just felt like it was so heavy-handed. We'd seen all this before. Like, we've seen him be a jerk and then learn to be a better person in, like, every episode. It's feeling really repetitive to me now. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't my favorite, but there were some, like, really great things. All the sister stuff in this episode was amazing. That scene at the end where Alex starts crying in, like, Maggie's arms, I was like fighting my feelings uh <laughs> and then of course you cut over to Kara also crying so like it began to rain more on my face so I think that the <laughs> emotional stuff with the, the emotional family stuff was great I just felt like the actual like plot of the episode was just so loosely connected together it like would just fall apart if you looked at it sideways like as I was watching the episode I was like this is kind of weird and then I would see like a tweet of somebody going like how did that medical scan not get his like cybernetic arm and I think huh how did it not do that like I don't think that you want your episode to like fall apart upon like the slightest like questioning. Yeah, I don't think it really. I don't, even for me, I don't think this episode held w- held up well to scrutiny in terms of the plot. Though I will say, for most of the episode, I was like on the edge of my seat. They, it felt really tense for me, and I was like, I don't know what to believe. I don't know who to trust. You know, I, I was very engaged in whether or not Jeremiah was going to turn on them. And uh, then when he did and all of that resolved and and we find out that he's working with Cadmus, I was like, I don't know what to feel about this. So there there were parts of the episode I thought the acting was great. I thought the tension was good. Um, I thought some of the shots were pretty cool. Like there's one shot where uh, there there's like a push in to Supergirl using her heat vision. I thought that was that was so cool because they had like the DEO, DEO agents uh, around her. I just I, I love that kind of stuff. Um, so there were some good visuals in this episode, and I thought there were some nice little touches where the car chase uh, that happens. Um, happens on a, a Lord Technologies active test range. So I thought that was a nice little Maxwell Lord shout out, even though we haven't seen him this season. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, oh, Maxwell Lord. Oh, Maxwell Lord. What, what happened to you? What are you doing now? What is what is up with uh, Maxwell Lord and Lord Technologies? What are, what are they doing? And I did like the, we didn't mention it, but there was a little sequence where Supergirl saves the, the train, uh, she has to sort of rebuild the bridge that the train goes over. I thought that was pretty cool. It was very reminiscent of, you know, uh, Christopher Reeve doing that in the Superman movies. And it sort of evoked the powerful, more powerful than a locomotive thing. Um, and I, I thought that was great. It was really cool to see, like, Supergirl had to hold the weight of a train going over her. That was pretty cool. Um, so I, I thought some of the action sequences were really great. And um, I definitely now have a new favorite minor character that i want to know more about i want to see pam the hr lady i want to <laughs> i want to get to yes. know her um we know that she's on the second floor and that she handles all the paperwork uh so i, I hope we get to see pam I, I in my mind what would be really cool is if we got to see like i, I want a whole episode if we're just like throwing out wish list bucket item bucket list items i want to see like a whole episode that's just minor characters doing stuff. I, that is my dream. Uh, and I, I want Pam to be a part of that. Cause I feel like Pam has a story that we don't know yet. Um, so I would like to know more about Pam and the fact that they have an HR lady who knew. 
that the DEO has. I guess I guess they would need a human resources person. I guess that makes all the sense in the world. They probably have a lot of paperwork and a lot of things they have to deal with. So that makes so much sense. Um, oh, and in speaking of other minor characters, uh, we heard Fishhead mentioned for the first time. I don't know if you all have noticed this, but I've seen the name Fishhead show up in the uh, cast list of a lot of these episodes in season two. And I, I didn't know much about Fishhead. I was always trying to find him in the episode because I would see his name and I never knew which one he was. And so in this episode, they actually mentioned Fishhead uh, when mentions accidentally stabbing him, I think with a dart. And then Monel says that his name <laughs> is Kevin. So <laughs> I enjoyed that immensely that we have a Brian the alien, we have a Joe the alien, and now we have a Kevin the fishhead alien. So um, <laughs> I just, I, I'm going to need for some of these characters to, uh, to be uh, more prominent because they are fun. And I, I think that that's, there's something to be said for me about the fact that I'm getting to know these sort of side alien characters because this national alien registry is playing, is becoming more of a, a, a larger, it's becoming a larger part in the season. And so to know that there are these aliens out there and we've gotten to know them a little bit personally, it does make a difference in how I see that plot. You know, even when they talked about the the fusion bomb and wanted to blame the aliens, I was like, no, what's going to happen to Brian? Like, that was legit. <laughs> My first thought was, somebody go tell Brian. We've got to protect him at all costs. So I think that that, that I mean, I don't know if that's the reason they're doing that, but... I, I think for me, I've gotten attached to some of these <laughs> little minor characters. And I think that makes a, a, a bigger difference in the overarching story of what's happening. So uh, I was actually surprisingly very moved by the mention of Fishhead. All right. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for our discussion. But let's find out what our listeners had to say about Homecoming. Uh, at the glasses are fake says this was just the Danvers family believing alternative facts about Jeremiah <laughs> in time. The truth wins uh, at TV free in a box says biggest problem with the episode. They left the Cara and Alex tension unresolved. I get why, but Alex needs her sister now at evil is answers says it hurts my heart. Whenever Cara and Alex fight, it hurts my heart. Whenever Alex is sad, at the Devil Jackie says, to me, this episode felt the weakest of the season, despite the raw acting from Kyler and Melissa. But next episode looks lit. <laughs> at Headpine says, Kyler Lee is a master at emotionally devastating people. She's so good at the emotional stuff. <laughs> at Mary Nolam says, I hate seeing Alex in pain, but Kyler Lee really is brilliant at breaking my heart. At Stingo 407 says, my heart broke for Alex. She misses her dad so much. She didn't want to see the writing on the wall. Kudos to Kyler. At Chris Pendolinski says, it was so hard watching Alex and Jeremiah in the forest. Kyler Lee is always fantastic in those heartbreaking scenes. At Jade Mercy says, unbelievable that none of them realized what was up with Jeremiah way earlier, <laughs> but acting was really good, especially from Kyler. I feel like she's the MVP of the episode. She really was. Uh, at Kyle Lucas says, can someone give an Emmy to Kyler? She was absolutely <laughs> perfect. Millions of hearts break when Alex is in pain. Uh, at Geek underscore Girl says, Kyler Lee killed it tonight. Not my favorite ep this season, but it's obviously important exposition for later episodes. 
Uh, at Kaya underscore Matsui says, two episodes without James. I guess now this is the Monel show. We don't need him. Thank God for Kyler Lee saving the episode. Yeah, we didn't really hit on that too much, but yeah, James wasn't in this episode again. Uh, so it's it's very strange. I don't, I don't know what they're doing with him or if they know what they're doing with him, but it, it was weird that this is the second episode in a row that he has not appeared. Uh, at Paradox Kids says, Mind reading or X-ray vision could have cut plot early. Growing friendship with Wynn and Monel is great. Kyler's acting top notch. Uh, at the post site says for an episode about the Danvers, they sure managed to shove a lot of Monel in again. Also, isn't Maggie a detective? <laughs> Look, she's local police. Okay, <laughs> Cadmus like, is a little above her pay grade. Probably, <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm guessing. I would also say that, like, I think if I was Maggie, I wouldn't be touching that family situation at all. I'd be like, you, I'm not going to be the one who's like, hey, yo dad is shady. Like, <laughs> no. Right. Especially when you're meeting him for the first time. Exactly. Maggie made the correct and smart choice there to stay out of it. <laughs> yeah, I was cracking up because when she went over to see uh alex she was like so how was your dad's first day and i was just like i was just like well it wasn't so great uh at rantasmo one says i wish maggie was working on a regular case that intersects with a deo case she just seems like the girlfriend well they've had a couple of those right like um uh, why am I blanking oh, on roulette, the alien? Right? Yes, roulette was one that we've gotten. I, I'm sure there have been others, probably that I'm. Well, they. Well, the one, the very first episode where Alex and Maggie meet, and I can't remember which one that was, but they <laughs> meet on a crime scene. Yeah. Right, right. Like Alex walks up and goes, "What are you doing at my crime scene?" and has her little fake badge. I don't remember that. I don't remember which episode, but that was one where I think there was a little bit of overlap. I feel like wasn't Maggie um, and Alex like on some crime scene where they were like betting whether or not Kara was going to be able to get through like all the police officers. Right. Yeah. The, yeah. With Livewire. Livewire episode. Mm -hmm. There you go. So we've seen, we've definitely seen a lot where the national city PD and the DEO have kind of joint tackled. Plus, it seems like when she, a lot of the times, I feel like we see her in the DEO, she's got, like, her badge and stuff on. So she's clearly on duty. Uh, at TGFE6279 says, I hate being negative about Supergirl, but this episode was disappointing, to say the least. Yay for seeing Wynn slash Lyra again. Uh, at Emily V. Chris says, so sick of Monel eating up so much screen time being a jerk then apologizing and promising to change and doing it again. <laughs> At Patty Mello 20 says, so Monel is super DEO agent now, and I'm supposed to buy that? Seriously? It was great seeing Jeremiah, though. Uh, At Coffin Roman says, weird and annoying that they continue to put Monel in the center of the plot. There was less Danvers in a Danvers episode. At Shop 23 says, was excited about this episode, loved all the action, still so many loose ends, could have done without, without the Von L clothes trail. <laughs> <laughs> so above Kara's bed, there was uh, a painting of 
like a like a sky like a landscape that had a lot of sky in it and I thought it was cool in some ways to see because I think this is the first time we've seen Kara's bed or her bedroom in her apartment I don't recall seeing that part of the set before and so I thought it was really neat that they had that painting there because in my eye in my mind I thought well that's actually very fitting for Supergirl that she would be connected to images of the sky and of the air and of, you know, flying and things like that. So I thought that was a nice little touch, even though, you know, that was during the scene of the clothes trail. Um, I thought that that was a a nice little uh, way to dress the set was that they used paintings that evoked imagery of, of being in the air. I thought that was cool. Uh, at Jetfire two thousand nine says, "I'm going to defend Monel here. He was right, but he never said I told you so. He walked in and tried his best to comfort Kara in the end." Uh, at Andy Swiss says, "Love this show, but not realistic. How most everyone was so unwary about Jeremiah's return. Also, more shirtless Monel, please." <laughs> uh, at Seal Stan says, Kara needs Monel so she can crush on a guy whose nose she can't break. <laughs> looking forward to looking forward to meeting Brainiac Five someday. That was a cute scene, though, <laughs> when she was like under five, and he was like, "Do you mean exactly four? <laughs> uh, at Madtown Davidson says, "I generally try to stay positive, but I didn't think the plot made much sense at all. One of the weaker episodes so far." Uh, at Mad About a Girl says, "The actors did a great job, but the story doesn't make sense." And at Miss Lily ninety nine says, loved evil Jeremiah. Curious to find out what they have on Monel, and can someone warn Brian? All hell is going to break <laughs> loose. We all just want to protect Brian at all costs. <laughs> save Br- hashtag, Brian. Hashtag save Brian. Uh, so we we got a lot of feedback on this one. Uh, we got an email from Hannah who writes. I really liked that Wynne had the strength to tell Monel just to take care of her and to love and listen to her. I felt like he said that as a brother or a best friend who wasn't the other guy that used to like her. Uh, we have an email from Jen who wrote, quote, It was a great turn for Monel this episode. He was right all along, but at the end, he felt bad for what happened. It's interesting that he mentioned his father was a bad man, and I wish someone would ask him about his past since he doesn't like to open up and hides the pain with humor, unquote. So, yeah, that's a good point, and it's something we didn't really talk about during the episode discussion, but he did drop some hints about his upbringing and his family, about how his uh, if he saw his father again, he would run. So uh, I, I'm very excited to see if we get to meet his father and see what that's what that's like and, and see more of his story because I think there's a lot there we don't know. At Sarjax and Cranky T at the flyby, which you can find at www.spreaker.com slash show slash the dash flyby wrote in saying surely we are not the only ones who thought this episode was a horror show with everyone wildly out of character and behaving in colossally stupid fashion nobody except monel thinks it's awfully convenient how easy it was to rescue jeremiah john doesn't scan jer straight out of the gate they just let jeremiah roam around the deo utterly unchecked (laughs) it's okay that jeremiah hacks the deo because he had ah reasons (laughs) <laughs> Alex tells Kara you're with us or against us 
Manel was right, yes, because everyone was dumbed down to make the story work. <laughs> uh, Susan sent us an email writing, In moving to the CW, Supergirl seems to be catering more to the fans who loves comic books and superheroes. And as a result, a lot of things about the show that made it appeal to the rest of us have gotten lost. But this episode did a really nice job of catering to the fans who are interested in the superhero mythology while also serving the characters who are at the heart of the show for the rest of us viewers. Oh, oh. She, she, she keeps <laughs> And going. it goes on. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Except for the Kara-Monel relationship, which to me is the perfect example of how the show has lost a key element of what made me fall in love with it in the first place. I enjoyed that in the morning after scene, Kara played the stereotypical male role leaving early, bringing flowers. That car reminded me of the show I loved last season. But I do not think I will ever get my head around the fact that the strong, confident character we watched grow into herself last year has fallen for the idiot frat boy. To me, it is a betrayal of the character of the highest order. I could see it as an interesting storyline if it were played as Kara seeing Alex find someone and being lonely and choosing to be with someone with whom Kara shares the alien sent to Earth background. But it is not being written that way. It's being written as Kara really falling for the guy instead of someone who is her equal. As a fan who thought this show was different and special, that is so very disappointing. Yeah, it's interesting, Susan. I I guess when I think about the show this season, I don't know that I think about it in terms of it catering to the comic book crowd. I guess, I guess when I think about it, maybe it is because it had Superman introduced, we had the Invasion crossover, which was super nerdy with um, with all of those elements from the comics. Uh, but I don't know, for me, as a comic book fan, I, I think it's more kind of playing into the strengths of the CW and having more romance, because that's what some of those shows are known for. So part of me wishes there was more comic book mythology embedded in the show and i think it would be stronger if it was and and maybe that's what they're moving towards uh to to the end of the season but i i just thought that that email was interesting because i hadn't thought about it like that yeah i hadn't thought about it like that either well uh marcia wrote in to say quote i'm a huge huge caramel shipper but even i'm kind of embarrassed by how much screen time monel is getting <laughs> i think it would have made more sense if jean was the one to be suspicious seeing as he can read minds and all even Kara mm. sensing something or you know x-ray visioning him at the start and being the one to question things would have been better too you know what even alex I get that she was blinded by emotion, but how did she not notice a bionic arm while medically examining him? <laughs> and isn't Maggie a detective? A lot of people have been pointing that out. Uh, Marsha goes on to say, I love, love, love Monel. He's an adorable puppy, but I'm not delusional about it. The fact that he has gotten more development and screen time than our other characters is kind of weird. Plus, Monel has had that massive multi-episode Daxamart coming up, so we'll be getting plenty, plenty more of him. What's most upsetting about it to me is that even Kara has been affected, unfortunately. I've noticed that she doesn't actually have a strong overarching character or personal story arc this season, but she has been used to help develop Monel's character all season so far. So why do you guys think they chose to put Monel at the center of the plot this week again? I can't help but think that maybe he's going to leave the show after the season, and that's why they're spending so much time on him. Would love to hear all of your thoughts on this, unquote. And I think, Carly, I think maybe you had hinted at this before, that 
you know, they're developing him to kind of get him to the end of the season and, and finishing out his uh, story arc. But I think this email is very interesting, uh, talking about Kara's lack of an arc. And I think that there is something to that. I don't know that she's actually had a true arc. Like, we know that Alex is kind of having an arc. Um, Wen has a little something with this liar chick, even though that's not a lot of story. Guardian has had very little. James Guardian has had very little story. And even Jean has had the stuff with McGann, but that's kind of over. So I, th- I think the the only thing I think... I would say about that is that a lot of these characters haven't had really strong character arcs for the season. I I would have liked to have seen all of these characters have a through line through all, through all of these episodes, but I kind of, I I personally don't think it's been very strong for any of the characters. Um, Not just Kara. I think for, I think Mon-El actually has been the only one who has had a character arc period. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I, I would agree with that. I think, I think it's a, it's a function of them adding so many new characters this season and juggling so many storylines. I don't like, you know, there are the Luthers now, there was the Marsh, like the Miss Martian stuff. There's the Monel stuff. There's the Maggie and Alex stuff. Like there's, they're juggling so many storylines that, Oh, and the guardian stuff that each storyline only gets like a little bit of development. So like when you look back over, you know, how the 14 episodes yeah we haven't seen much development for any individual character because you know like when's the last time we saw snapper like we've never seen him snap but <laughs> when's the last time we even saw him at all like the that Kara going into journalism and like really picking that as her like profession uh, that only comes into the show when it's convenient to have her have a scene with Lena Luther where they get to like bro down. Like that's it though. Yeah. I think it yeah. would be a little stronger if her character arc this season was learning how to be a reporter. I think that's why it almost feels like Kara is a little aimless this season because for season one, she was Kat's assistant. And so she ended up getting a lot of really good scenes with Kat Grant as Kara and as Supergirl where Kat was like a mentor to her. And was giving her advice. And so now that Kat's not on the show anymore, she is kind of more functioning, I think. She's functioning as a part of, like, the the overarching story. You know, Cadmus stuff. And, like, the Daxum, you know, potential Daxum, uh, you know, who's hunting for Monel kind of stuff. But... I don't think really we've seen a lot of personal character growth from her. And I think the reason that it feels, I think, well, I think it's mostly been tied to Monel. So like the reason that it feels like she's being used to help develop Monel is because their stories have been kind of intertwined. Cause last season she wasn't really in a relationship with anybody. Like she, I mean, she, she was crushing on James, but he had his own, he was with Lucy and like, so he, the, her relationship with James in season one wasn't really as I would say entwined as, as her story with Monel this season. So maybe that's also part of why it feels like he has gotten a lot of screen time is because his, his narrative arc is so linked to Kara. So they kind of overlap a lot, which I don't know that I necessarily like, but I think that's what, that's what we're seeing. And that's why it feels like, 
she's they're kind of the show it feels like the show is using her to develop his storyline but he's also a, such a big part of her storyline this season i think you hit it on the head uh we have an email from megan who writes thanks for the mr and mrs mixia Pitalik episode <laughs> that's for last time when you weren't here to pronounce it <laughs> so you had to pronounce How did it i do <laughs> you did pretty well actually okay uh, I've had it up to here with Monel, and somehow you made me feel better about the situation. Keep being awesome. P.S. R.I.P. Kelly. <laughs> Pour one <laughs> out for forget. Kelly. Pour one out. Uh, because we asked for some clarification on Easter eggs in Mr. and Mrs. Mizzy's. I was just doing so well the last episode. You you can just call him Mixie. That's fine. Mixie. Lynn, the Supergirl radio linguist, sent us some Mizzy's Pitalik facts um she explains mick girl is a nod to mixie's very first appearance in a comic book way back from september 1944 in superman number 30 he was first seen yelling for mcgurk and that in the comics when mixie says his name backward he is only banished for 90 days yeah so that's that's some good mixie trivia that i think we can all uh take with us um, moving forward, uh, so that's that's interesting stuff. I'm I'm glad to learn about that because I don't I personally don't know a ton about him, and I think we'll have to do a character spotlight so that we can learn more about him. But thank you for uh, sending us uh, words to add to our vocabulary, Lynn, and thank you for this uh, Mixias Pitalik trivia. Fun fact. Fun facts. Uh, maybe we'll have to add that to lightning rounds. If anybody wants to send us some some fun facts, we'll, fun facts. we'll, we'll add that to our, our format. Well, uh, last time we asked listeners to send in some thoughts about James and Guardian this season, and we received an email from Floby who writes, quote, Here is my problem with the whole Guardian storyline. During the invasion crossover, Supergirl trains with Adam, White Canary, Speedy, Heatwave, and Spartan. Not only does she completely mop the floor with them, but she does so while smiling. The whole reason that they kept Supergirl over on Earth-38 when she moved to the CW is that street-level heroes make no sense in her world. What villain are they going to throw at Supergirl that Guardian is going to help with, unquote? Uh, um, I, th- I think there's, there's a point in that, but I also think of Superman and Batman and how they live in the same world and that sometimes they have to team up to go after a bad guy. So just like there is reason to keep Batman around, Superman could probably handle a lot of things himself, but sometimes he needs Batman's help. So I think that there is some reasons that they could work in where Guardian can help Supergirl out defeat a bad guy. So I, I don't mm-hmm. personally see any problem with a street-level hero helping Supergirl from time to time. No. Also, we see Alex. Kara takes Alex's backup all the time. That's right. And she's That's only true. human, so I'm like, you know, she doesn't have the advantage of a lead super suit or whatever. Or an awesome shield. Even Alex can do it without <laughs> a shield. Right? Well, she's got her fancy gun now. That's true. She's got her awesome alien gun that she likes so much. Proof that proof that Alex is the best, though, because she doesn't need a shield. That's right. <laughs> uh Kaya Matsui wrote in with some Guardian thoughts saying, I'm the first to admit that I was not a big fan of the Guardian storyline this season, just because I don't think Supergirl needs a street-level hero since we deal with really big threats. But this doesn't diminish the fact that we do need a Guardian on TV because representation matters. 
as a non-white and non-straight person, I know how important it is to see myself represented anywhere. And the fact is that we don't see many black heroes on TV or in movies for that matter. James Olsen is a highly educated man and CEO of a big company who happens to be black. We don't see that every day on TV. And to think that he's a superhero on top of everything is even more rare. He's basically a version of Bruce Wayne. So all the little boys and girls that watch the show and don't look like Kara or Clark can look to James and see themselves on TV. I know that we have Jean on the show too, and it's great. But the fact is we have way less African-American heroes and can always use more diversity. They could have made this Guardian plot much better if they had given it time, but they chose to spend time with other things and we got stuck with this poorly developed hero. I think that's a really good point. Like, I just wish that they had spent some time like getting us on board the guardian thing. And I feel like as like uh, the letter makes a point of saying that James is the CEO. I would like to see that occasionally. Like it yeah. doesn't seem like, like when does James work? I mean, I know that like, when does Kara work either? Like apparently none of them ever do, but it just like, we've never seen him do anything. There were a couple of episodes where he was sort of like, fighting with snapper a little bit and then they like drop that whole thing like a hot potato yeah and i was thinking about season one cat had to deal with things like you know espionage within the company and uh and things getting hacked and having to deal with other you know competitors and things like that so i think you know there there are stories that you can right with james being the ceo that could be just as compelling as his guardian stuff so i i do i do agree that that some of that is a missed opportunity yeah i feel like this season we've lost some of Kara's like normal Kara danvers life because we don't have those cat scenes anymore and we barely ever see her at work so it's almost all Kara as like supergirl or Kara interacting with people who know she's supergirl and what I think is weird about it that is I thought they said, I thought I read an interview where they said that season two was focusing more on Cara Danvers. And uh, I, I don't really, I don't know, maybe I see that a little bit with the Monel thing. But in terms of her work life, we don't get to see her there very much anymore. And even in this week's episode in Homecoming, she tells Monel, oh, we've got to be at the DEO. And I'm like, well, is it Saturday? Like, do you work on the week? <laughs> do you work at the DEO on the weekends? Like, why are you not going to CatCo and doing journalist stuff? So I'm very confused about that. Yeah, I thought the same thing, actually. I was like, <laughs> uh, when she was like getting dressed, I was like, oh, because you're going to work. Nope, nope, nope. No, you're nope, not. Nope, you're going to the DEO <laughs> for some reason. Uh, we have an email from Sarah, aka Comicer Girl, who um, always draws some great stuff. Uh, the best. And posts it. We love her. Um, so she writes, "You recently put out a call for some positive James slash Guardian vibes. So I thought I'd drop a line, gush about James, the grown man Olson, for a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that has stuck. Uh, I actually really liked the James and Car relationship in season one." Initially, when they introduced him as a kind of mentor figure, I wasn't really keen on the idea of romance between the two. But I thought they did a good job of quickly establishing that establishing that James didn't entirely have his act together, and he functioned less like a mentor and more as a support equal when it came to working with Kara. I think the crazy love polygon soured a lot of folks on the romance in season one, and it was tiresome, but I always thought James and Kara were pretty cute together, and the relationship was really healthy because it was built on an easy friendship between the two. 
I think the quote from Truth, Justice, and the American Way sums up what I like about Kara and James together in any capacity, be it friendship, romance, or otherwise. You make me a better hero. You make me better, too. As for the Guardian storyline, eh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you for writing it like that. <laughs> it's not my favorite thing, and I absolutely understand the folks who aren't feeling it. But as an ardent James fan, it's sometimes hard to be too critical of it because it feels like the only way James is able to stay connected to the other characters this season, given how they've structured the show. They no longer seem to have much interest in sticking around CatCo at as much so if james had remained behind the desk i have to wonder if he'd have even less screen time and involvement with the other characters than he already does i do like that james is doing something for himself that's not so dependent on Kara. and as flimsy as the setup is i like that james is still committed to helping people carrying over some of that heroism we saw from him in season one the elevator bit breaking into lord tech distracting reactron etc also the shield Love that shield. <laughs> Love that his weapon is more about protecting and less about just hitting stuff. Of course, it works well for that, too. And maybe now that the whole hiding it from car thing is over, the Guardian stuff will improve. At least, I hope it will. James deserves a good storyline. He's way overdue. I like that thought, Sarah, that I hadn't uh, considered before about how the shield is about protecting people. I like that a lot. Yeah, I love that. Well, and speaking of Guardian, uh, we've got some listener voicemails. Hello, Supergirl Radio. This is Guardian. I'm just calling to say that you guys have the best podcast on any network I've seen or heard thus far. Carly Lane, Morgan Glennon, Rebecca Johnson, you guys are hilarious and extremely intelligent, and your podcast is so funny. And even informative, love the news section. And I love your commentary on the <laughs> the awkward and weird aspects of the show. Just keep up the good work. And I wish you all the best. I'll be out there with Supergirl. Have a good one. And we also have a voicemail from a listener named Stephanie. Hi, this is Stephanie, and I really love your show. Uh, I enjoyed this episode of Supergirl because anytime Dean Kane and Helen Slater show up, the show gets ten times better. The Danvers family reunion was beautiful and then heartbreaking when it ended. Kylie owes me a box of Kleenex because her outstanding performances make me cry every single time. And, of course, Melissa delivered a superb performance of her own in scenes with Kyler and Chris Wood. Um, I found it interesting to learn more about Mono's uh, background and uh, he's, that he would run away from his father because apparently his father wasn't a very good guy. So I hope we get to learn more about that. And it was nice to see Mono and Wen working together to figure out what was going on with uh, Jeremiah. And Mono was right. You know, Jeremiah was bad. I mean, we still don't know if he's really completely bad. It doesn't seem that way, but there's more story to tell for sure. But it was nice to see the bromance between Mono and Wynn continue. And um, I really liked that Wynn gave Mono advice and that Mono actually took it and he actually listened to what Kara needed and he comforted her, wiping away her tears in a beautiful, tender moment. And um, I really enjoy the chemistry between Melissa and Chris. That you, you can really see that they enjoy working together, 
and they just really shine on screen. Um, so anyways, thank you. Bye. Thanks uh, to Guardian and Stephanie for uh, calling in and leaving us a voicemail. And we have some lightning round questions. <laughs> Yay! Okay, so this one is from Chelsea. Uh, return of Indigo, Return of Silver Banshee, or Return of Bizarro? Rebecca, go. Bizarro. Morgan? Silver Banshee. I think I'm going to say Bizarro. Just because I, well, do I have to explain or are we just answering? No, <laughs> no explanation. Okay. The, 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 the number one rule of lightning round questions, don't explain, just answer. Explain to Just nobody. feel what you feel. Okay. <laughs> uh, and we have two from Mary. Okay, so first one, uh, Team Supergirl goes to Mars to help out Magan or Magan comes back to Earth in season three. Rebecca. Team Supergirl goes to Mars. Uh, Morgan. Oh, definitely going to Mars. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think we're three for three. I, I say Team Supergirl goes to Mars. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> last lightning round question. Lena Luther's mother is secretly alive and evil. Or Lena Luther's mother is dead, but was secretly an alien. That's a good one. Uh, Lena Luther's mother is secretly alive and evil. Morgan? I'm going to go alive and evil because this way she can then team up with Lillian and then Lena can have like a whole host of mother issues. <laughs> I, I'm i going to say dead and secretly an alien. Hmm. I don't know why. I just feel like juicy. That would be a twist. <laughs> twist. That's a, that's a good question. So uh, thanks to Chelsea and Mary for sending us some lightning round questions because we enjoy them. I love these lightning round questions. <laughs> some of them are kind of hard. You got you to really think about some of them. Well, I think that's going to do it for our listener feedback. Thanks to everyone who sent us in tweets and voicemails and emails and lightning round questions. Lots of stuff. Uh, but if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can e- email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play and iHeartRadio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so check out our playlist there. It should be up to date with all of the music music uh from the show and all songs about supergirl and we are also listed on dc's fan page which you can find at dccomics.com forward slash dc dash fans we are available on itunes and stitcher so if you have time we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review thanks to iantha korean who left us a review on itunes was very nice uh, and we are a part of the DC TV Podcast Network, so if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, iZombie, DC Films, and classic DC TV shows, subscribe to our DC TV Podcast mega feed and follow at DC TV Podcast on Twitter and like DC TV Podcast on Facebook. I, I, th- I think you've, uh, you've mastered this, Morgan. I don't know. We I feel like if it. you were if you were here in my apartment with me, you would see me doing like these weird like like hand gestures <laughs> <laughs> that go along with it. <laughs> like I'm like Vanna White over here and follow <laughs> <laughs> whatever helps you through it. <laughs> um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid. That's D E R B Y K I D. I'm also on Instagram at the Derby Kid. T H E D E R B Y K I D. 
I try to take some experimental pictures every now and then, and maybe there's some boring vacation pictures on there. Uh, but I try to I, I try to fill my Instagram with something interesting to look at. And you can also catch some videos of mine over at YouTube.com forward slash Duck Milk Prod. That's D U C K M I L K P R O D. You can find me on Twitter at my name, Carly Lane. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I'm currently writing over at Nerdist and Sci-Fi Wire, gearing up to dive into the TV recap soon. It's fun, especially for shows that are streaming and put all their seasons out at once. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) That's That's an exercise in, like, writing discipline and sprinting and trying to get things done quickly. While still being clever. Um, well, if anyone can do it, I think you can do it. Oh, we have thanks. faith in you, Carly. Uh, if you're on Tumblr, you can follow me. I'm at Favoritings. Um, aside from that, I'm just on Twitter watching Supergirl late like I did this week. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. At least you watched it. I did watch it. it's gonna be a good thing (laughs) right like wow i never would have guessed can you imagine if i had not watched it and i just i'm I'm just gonna wing it just bs my way through oh yeah garbage that that would actually be a really fun podcast episode though (laughs) the supergirl this where one of us has not seen uh where one of us has not seen i feel like that would be really funny like (laughs) (laughs) What we if just it, do a mystery podcast? We never, we never say who it is that has seen it. And we <laughs> yes. to pick it up. <laughs> yes, oh I have a friend who writes, um, who writes pieces uh, about movies that she's never seen. Like she tries to, <laughs> she That's tries amazing. to, she tries to like do a recap of of a movie that she's never watched <laughs> just from like the trailer and like promo stuff. Oh my God. That's great. Isn't there she tried a... to do it about stranger things and she never watched it. It was really funny. <laughs> Isn't there a game that Jimmy Fallon will play on the tonight show? Sometimes I've seen him do it with uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler where they will try to convince the other people of something that they're saying and they try to make it so believable that they have a hard time guessing who is lying. I, I think that would be a really fun Supergirl radio experiment to see, oh to see if gosh. you could catch it. That would be hard though. You have to be a really to good see. improviser. <laughs> well, the right. And the problem would be like, Oh man, like if you didn't know anything about what happened in the episode, I feel like it would, it would come across pretty Although this early. this season, though, you might be able to do it because, like, you could go on and be like, "Well, Monel didn't didn't learn his lesson this week again." Monel up again. Well, what would be really funny is if, like, that's the one episode Monel's like not in. <laughs> you just give yourself away immediately. Right. Well, and then somebody goes, "He wasn't even in this episode." Exactly. He screwed up by not even being there. <laughs> Way to not even show up, man. Oh well, all right. Well, that that I might put that on the wish list. Um, experimental Supergirl radio episode. It's all. I still think we should do. We should try to do um, an episode that's like a live watch, like not 
like a live commentary or like an episode commentary episode. Oh, well, yeah. That's we so, can that's so redundant. That's so yeah. redundant. But, uh, you know, a, a commentary episode where we, where we pick an episode to watch and then we just riff on it the whole time, like Mystery Science Theater. That's very Re- possible, very doable. I think that'd be fun. That could be a good summer uh, summer episode to okay. do. Pick an, yeah. pick an episode. People could people could tell us which one they want us to watch and we can watch it and riff on it. That sounds good. <laughs> Mystery Science Theater, Supergirl Radio Mystery version. Mystery Science Theater, Supergirl Radio. We can, we can it. do it. We can do it. Oh, uh, <laughs> I just realized I didn't do mine. Yeah, uh, plug, you can plug find- yourself. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter.com. Uh, I'm at Mojotastic. That's M-O-J-O-T-S-T-I-C. Uh, you can find some of my writing on Buddy TV. And uh, I am a co-host of the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. So whether or not you watch the show or do you don't, uh, you should check it out. <laughs> it's a pretty fun podcast. Well, if uh, you want to hang out with us for a quick spoiler section, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. I'm still Carly Lane. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And at Supergirl Radio, we have embraced being helpful. On scales. Both large and small. Cadmus stole the alien registry. They're abducting everyone on the list. Cadmus is going to slaughter them. I can stop them, but only with your help. Innocent people will keep disappearing. Where is Cadmus? You're the only Superman we need. Are you with me? And we are back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Exodus. The official description reads, quote, As Alex searches for Jeremiah and Kara investigates a series of alien kidnappings, the sisters realize they must break the rules to foil a new Cadmus plot. In an effort to get Snapper Carr to run a story that would help her stop Cadmus, Kara agrees to set up an interview between Snapper and Supergirl, unquote. Oh, so we're going to get some good Snapper Carr, hopefully. Get some good snaps. <laughs> maybe, maybe get some snaps <laughs> next week. Snapper. <laughs> uh, so, Carly, what are you excited about uh, with this episode description? Uh, so I watched the teaser, and uh, a couple things made me very excited. Alex kicking butt, like big time. Also, Brenda Strong says a line to uh, Dean Kane where he's like, or she says, you're the only Superman we need. And I was like, <laughs> that's got to be deliberate. <laughs> <laughs> like that was kind of a fun little, uh, you know, a fun little tongue in cheek reference to. It's, it's like he... uh, Jeremiah Danvers knows everything there is to know about Superman. <laughs> it's that same kind of thing. <laughs> 
Um, what else? Oh, we saw Lyra get taken by, um, I guess they're rounding up. It seems like Cadmus is using the alien registry to round up aliens. And it looks like Lyra gets kidnapped at one point. Uh, there's a, there's a part where we see Lena for 0.5 seconds. Um, so she'll be coming back. That's exciting to me. Snapper coming back is also exciting. I just love the whole, I always love the trope of Superman and or Supergirl, Clark and or Karis using their, using their connection, you know, to connections to set up an exclusive interview (laughs) with, you know, with Superman or Supergirl. So that always cracks me up. Um, And I, and I'm also just really excited to finally have Snapper and Supergirl meet. Because I I just want to know what his reaction to her is going to be. Because we know how he treats Kara, but it'll be interesting to see if he treats Supergirl any different. Oh, that's a good point. What if he yeah. like fanboys over her? Right? Wouldn't that be <laughs> hilarious if he like if he gets really nervous and can't handle himself? <laughs> like, that... He's just so, super intimidated. I think that would be hilarious. That's a good idea. And how how did it take fourteen episodes for this to happen? That is crazy. It does kind of, it feels a little like a rehash of season one where they did that with Cat Grant. Or I guess it's but, 15 episodes. Yeah, for, but for I'm, I'm just excited to see Snapper, how Snapper reacts. Yeah. Uh, Morgan, what are your thoughts about this, this episode? What are you most excited about? I'm most excited to see Snapper Car again. I just, first of all, Snap Watch is on. Snap, snap Watch <laughs> continues. I feel like I feel like the clock in like like the twenty four clock has just started ticking again. Like TikTok, <laughs> it's gonna happen. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see like Kara do some journalisty stuff. Even though, uh, just based off the trailer and this description, I can't imagine it will be much. Uh, because this seems like a very packed episode with like everybody and the kitchen sink in it. <laughs> uh, so I hope it is uh, like a, it looks like it's going to be a really good episode, but I hope it's not a little too overcrowded um, because it does seem like there's going to be like a lot of people in this. And uh, but I'm really excited for all the things that Carly mentioned, like five seconds of Lena. So we're, we know Lena is going to be in this and Alex kicking butt is always like the best part of any episode. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's going to be a really good one and more more Jeremiah, more Danvers feels. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm very excited about Snapper. I wish, <laughs> I wish more episodes had him in them. I don't know if it's like an actor scheduling thing. I, don't, I don't know what, what's going on there, but I, I just wish we could have seen more. I think they could have done more. You know, looking back on the first half of the season, they could have done more with him. And I'm, I'm sad and disappointed that they haven't. But maybe this. Maybe this episode will make it up to me and all of us at Supergirl Radio and every Snapper Car <laughs> fan in the world. Maybe this is going to be Snapper's time to shine. Uh, I don't want to hype it up too much in my brain, which I probably already have. Um, but I'm also intrigued by how Alex and Kara might work together uh, because they were kind of separated in Homecoming. So I'll, I'll be interested to see if some of that comes, you know, bleeds over into the next episode and see how maybe they have to kind of work together. Well, I think that's going to do it for our spoiler section. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back with a new episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.